I love to, when I, when I choose my messages, I like to answer a question or solve a problem. That's just kind of my method is to say, what is going on in our hearts and in our minds and our community, and what's the biblical solution? And that's, what, that's kind of what you call a felt needs sermon, like a need that you feel. When you wake up in the morning, you're like, I've got a financial worry, or I've got a relationship problem, or I'm dealing with anxiety. And, and a lot of times I have topics like that. Well, right now I'm in a topic just called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's not something you wake up in the morning and go, I feel like the Holy Spirit in my life is not right. You don't feel that, right? But it is, it is not some deep theological uh, uh, topic that's not relevant to your life. It, it, in fact, is the most relevant topic you could address. Because the, the working of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in your life, will address every other thing in your life. I mean, it will, it will give you wisdom to make decisions. It will keep you from stepping in the wrong. You, you, ever, you ever opened your mouth and stepped right into something you wish you hadn't? You, have you? Come on. Did, did you know the, the, the Holy Spirit knew you weren't supposed to say that? And he was probably trying to tell you that, but you didn't hear him. And so you just blah, 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 blah said it anyways, right? You, you, ever, you ever taken a job, the, the first day in the job, you knew, gosh, this is wrong for me. You ever uh, dated somebody or you know, took that dating relationship somewhere? You, just, as soon as you got there, you knew this was a mistake. Guess who knew it before it happened? The Holy Spirit. He knows everything about everything. Right, So this topic is so valuable. Take your notes out if you're following along with me. I call this message the person of the Holy Spirit because I want to demonstrate today that the Holy Spirit's not a what or an it. He's a who. Okay, Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, the Holy Spirit uh, is actually not His name. It's a descriptive adjective. God the Father, God the Son, God, say it with me, the Holy Spirit. So that's not His name. His name is God. Okay, it's God's spirit on earth today, living in believers, working through believers. Remember last week we read in John chapter 14, a lot of stuff where Jesus is going away and he says, I'm going to go away, right? I've been with you. I'm going to go away and my spirit's going to come be inside of you, inside of all of you, everyone at the same time in every location. It was a transfer of the working of the Holy Spirit from the son to the spirit. Okay. So how do you know the Holy Spirit's a person? Well, I'm going to take it this way. A, ho- a person has a soul, right? When you talk about how many people are on a plane, they never ask the pilot how many people you have. They ask him how many souls are on board because that's people. That's how you know it's a person. We have a soul. Well, so does God have a soul? Let's, let's look in Scripture. I think you'll see this. God the Father says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my what? My soul is well pleased. God the Father has a soul. He's telling you that his soul is pleased. That's an emotional response. He's happy about Jesus, his son. All right, now here's Jesus speaking. Jesus said to them, my what? My soul is exceedingly what? Sorrowful, another emotion, okay? His soul, Jesus has a soul and it's sorrowful. Now here's the Holy Spirit speaking in Hebrews 10. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, withdraws from God, my soul has no pleasure in him. There again, pleasure, uh, a joyous feeling. Uh, The Holy Spirit says, my soul doesn't feel joy when you withdraw. So without a doubt, God has a soul. He has mind, will, and emotions. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. That's how I know you have a soul. 
You have a mind. You think thoughts. Sometimes you don't use your mind. Can I hear an amen? Right? But, but you have one, and you definitely have a will, a way you want it to go down, and you have emotions, and sometimes those emotions override your mind and take you outside of the will that you wanted to have. That's a whole other sermon. But think about it like this. Your mind is how you think about things. Your will is the things you desire for yourself or for someone else. Your emotions are your feelings. So think about all the scriptures that talk about the, the, the mind, will, and emotion, the, the feelings. Jesus just talked about that. You know, we just read that uh, from Jesus. Um, the, the mind of God. Uh, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Jesus has a mind, and he wants you to have his mind. And, and think about the will of God. Can, how, how do I know the will of God? Well, the very best place to find that, and I didn't even write it in your notes, but if you want to pencil it in somewhere, Romans 12 and 2. The, in fact, it is really encapsulates everything I'm trying to tell you is encapsulated in that one verse. Romans uh, chapter 12 and 2 says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you'll be able to find God's will for your life. So when you said what you shouldn't have said, that's not God's will. You saw it. It blew up in your face. When you went where you weren't supposed to go, you did what you weren't supposed to do. When you made a mistake, clearly that wasn't God's will. And you're saying, I just want to find God's will because God's will is good for me. It's a, actually that verse says his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's pleasing for me. It's good. How do I get in a, in a pleasing place? I need to find God's will for my life. I need to change my desires for God's desires. How do I get there? He told you. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. How many of you notice that this world has a very definite pattern? Have you noticed that? Language changes like overnight. We went from my whole life, you know, when you talked about someone who had a baby, you always said, wow, there's a, a mom or a mother. Now they're a birthing person. What the heck? If I'm a mom, I'm so mad about that birthing person, right? Come on. Mom is like superhero word, right? Don't give me birthing person, right? But it's a pattern of this world. And you think it's crazy and we've reached the end. Let me go ahead and tell you, I'm, I'm in my forties and I have thought we reached the end many times of crazy. Crazy has no end. I don't know what's next, but there's another crazier waiting on us. Okay. There is a definite pattern of this world. And if you reject the pattern of this world, you're going to get hurled insults about whatever you are, you transgenderophobic, homophobic, racist. There's just what, whatever, anti-science, what there's all kinds of things. You can just hashtag all these as you share my sermon. In fact, just hashtag all that. And there'll be a group that'll just eat it up. They love it. You know, all kind of stuff like that. That's the pattern of this world. And here's what God says. You'll never know his will for your life if you continue to follow this pattern. You'll never let the Holy Spirit guide you. God loves you. God has saved you if you know him as your savior. He has purchased your place in heaven. He's not going to put his boot on your neck and you hate your guts because you, you, know, you follow the wrong path. It's not that way at all. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to step away from his presence, away from his blessing, away from his protection, and all hell's going to break loose in that direction. It's not God. Don't get mad at God. God's over here going, come on. <laughs> come over here. 
man, there's blessing. You know, the Bible says God surrounds himself with, with healing, miraculous light like a garment. There are miracles. <laughs> it's like you are swimming in a pool of miracles the closer and closer you get to God. But the pattern of this world is carrying you hundreds of miles away from him. And so you've got to decide, do I want my thoughts, my desires, and my feelings, which are going to be led and directed by the pattern of this world, or do I want God's? And, and I said it this way last, last week, that you've got to find a way to turn down the voice of culture so that you can turn up the voice of God. You can't be listening to both at the same time. See, here's our problem. We want to live culturally. We want to fit in with everybody else. We don't want anybody to call us any ugly names. We want to live culture, Right? We, we, we want to live culture, but we want to experience kingdom. You can't do both. You can't live culture and experience kingdom. It'll never happen. If you want God's kingdom, the Bible says, seek Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever preached, said, if you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all the other desires of your life will be added unto you. You just have to make them second and make his kingdom first. If you seek God's kingdom first, you'll have the blessings of your desires. If you seek your desires first, you'll never have his kingdom. Come on. I'm preaching really good. Ken, you said you're going to be real loud if I preach good. You're not doing it. All right. When Jesus commanded us, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's because he wanted you to not go through life. Life is tough, man. There's knuckleheads everywhere. On the road, at work, church. I mean, they're everywhere, right? <laughs> knuckleheads. And, and, and God wanted you to not just go blindly out there and get messed up. God wants you to know his thoughts. What does God think about this? I know what I think. I talk to my friends. I heard what they think. See, a lot of us, we don't understand mentoring. So we're at this level spiritually, okay? And, and, and we, we want to figure out what to do next. And so we find somebody down here who doesn't even know Jesus, doesn't have the mind of Christ at all. We get advice from them. We feel a little bit better about ourselves when we make a decision right here. That's not how it works. Mentoring is about finding someone who is where you're trying to go spiritually. And, and go there. So if, if you've done that, you've talked about, then, then, you've, then you've talked to the Lord about it. You, you can find the mind of God. You can figure out what God wants, what God's will is. Remember, if you reject the pattern of this world and you're transformed by renewing your mind, then you'll be able to find God's will for your life. Romans 12 and 2, okay? And God wants you to know his feelings. So when Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, I want someone inside of you who knows the thoughts, the desires, and the feelings of God so that when you have a decision to make, you know his mind, you know his desires, and you know his feelings. That's why Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing. And honestly, it's kind of hard to believe. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe because when you hear uh, the, the amazing stories of Scripture and the amazing theology of, of having God's voice literally inside of you, a lot of people say, well, that's just phony. I've gone to church for 25 years or I've gone to church for 15 or 10 years, five years. It's just not working out for me. The whole thing must be phony. You know what it is? We're trying to read this word occasionally, We're trying to visit God's presence occasionally and live in popular culture. And we're wondering why it's not all adding up. That's why people are deconstructing or leaving the faith, all this kind of stuff. What they're leaving is religion. If they ever tasted the Holy Spirit, <laughs> David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you what, if you ever truly taste the presence of God, though I don't mean religion, you joined a church, you donated money. I don't mean that stuff. I mean, you genuinely, truly 
turn the culture down long enough to experience the presence of God, you can't deconstruct from that because you can't disprove the presence and the power of God. It's real and it's life-changing. Man, a lot of this deconstruction, man, I, I've been deconstructing church my whole life. I, I have been. I mean, we started our church really on, on the bones of dead religion in the community. I'll just go ahead and say it, right? And, and, and uh, that's fine. But you don't deconstruct your relationship with God. That's real and it's life-changing. And so many people are leaving the faith because they're saying, where is this in my life? Well, you're not going to find this if you're listening to the voice of the world all the time. If you're letting your favorite actor or, or musician or your favorite athlete set your ethical and spiritual standards, you will not experience the kingdom of God in your life. If you're letting your political party teach you how to treat people who disagree with you, you're not going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but our side is right, and we're so right, we're going to tell you how right we are. I, I can see how angry you are about how right you are. That, what, where's the joy of the Lord if you're so right, right? Where's the joy of God in your life, right? Uh, we're going to read a little bit later that that kind of behavior and that kind of language that is laced with anger and vitriol grieves the Holy Spirit and separates you from the Holy Spirit. That kind of language. While you're angry-faced, yelling at everybody who's wrong about God and the church... That very language separates you from that very God. Come on now. I'm going to preach really good today. Get ready for it, okay? Bringing my best. If your beliefs are set by pop culture, all right, you're never going to hear what God's will and, and thoughts are for your life. So God is a soul. He has mind, will, and emotions. Let's walk through that, okay? Three things. That's real, we're going to be straightforward today. The Holy Spirit has a mind, okay? He thinks about things. Here's evidence for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are where? Higher than your thoughts. God knows stuff. He thinks about stuff. Uh, the Bible says when Jesus went away, he said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. So God thinks about every situation in your life. And he, he knows everything about everything. You know, uh, God's really, really smart. You ever wonder what God's IQ would be? You know, Albert Einstein's IQ was 209. The same as Pastor Eli from our, hearts, our Madison campus. 209. He's a really smart guy. What if I told you God doesn't even have an IQ? Because IQ is intelligence, quotient. Quotient means measure. And God has intelligence beyond measure. You can't measure His. He knows everything about everything. God's never learned anything. He knew it all from the beginning. He was before the beginning. Well, I can't understand it. I know. But He does. Because <laughs> He knows everything, right? You, you know what God's never said? You know what just occurred to me? <laughs> Nothing's ever occurred to God. He knows everything about everything all the time. And here's why Jesus said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, because he wants someone inside of you who knows everything about everything and is committed to being your teacher and leading you into all truth. He knows every angle about what you're going to do. Man, should I build a house right now or should I buy a house right now? I've talked to every realtor. I've talked to bankers about rates. I've talked to everybody about the cost of lumber. Guess who knows how much lumber is going to cost next year? Guess who knows how much interest rates are going to be? Guess who knows how much money you're going to make? Guess who knows how many years you're going to live? God knows everything about everything. Yeah, you ought to talk to other people, but how often are you talking to God? How often are you saying, you're stopping everything and say, God, should I buy this house? Should I go to college to this place? Should I be dating this person? 
God, are we ready to have children? God, should we adopt? I mean, we, we, we talk to a lot of people and have lots of conversations, but how often do you stop talking to people here and talk to God? Even if you're in a great church and the people around you are godly people, that will never be enough. You need to personally talk to God about it. Do you know why the Bible says pray without ceasing? Never stop praying. Because prayer is not a formula that you do to satisfy religion. Prayer is a relationship. It's a conversation with God. You should never stop talking to God. Driving down the road, you're angry because one of the knuckleheads is right in the same lane. or You know, you need to talk to God about that knucklehead. He will, I was talking to God about a knucklehead one time. And God was like, I made them. They're my son. Quit calling him names. <laughs> I forgot that in this sermon. I'm sorry about that, Lord. <laughs> Uh, God said knuckleheads again. But, you know, when you talk to God, it, 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 he'll talk back, and that's the most amazing thing. He'll give you wisdom about things that you ought to do. And sometimes when I talk to God, like, what, what should I do? What should I do? He won't say anything. He just won't say anything. And eventually, when I ask him enough times, I'll realize, you know, I, he already told me what to do. And I just got tired of doing it, and I wanted to do something else. So I kept asking him, and eventually I go, oh, he's not through with me doing the other thing. It is amazing when you stop listening to the voices and media exploding in your ear and before your eyes all the time. It is amazing if you find a way to turn that down. Make a 15-minute every, every morning, turn your commute off of whatever radio or podcast and just talk to God. You know, the crazy thing right now is our world has no silence in them. We listen to the early church fathers and the great wisdom they gave us. You know what is different between the early church fathers and a, and a regular pastor today? Pastors today have no silence in their life. No moment where they just... And you know what? If you, if you get silent, God will talk to you. He's not far from you. He'll talk to you. But you've got to turn down the voice of the world that is blaring in your ear all the time. See, God knows everything. How big do you think God's brain is? Let's just do an illustration. This is an oldie but a goodie. For this, if you've been at Daystar a long time, you know this. If you're new, this is, this is going to change your world. Everybody do this for me. I need everybody to use both hands. This is how big God's brain is. Stretch out. You ought to be touching somebody's chin hairs from two people over. He's gigantic. Now, how big is your brain? Come on. Way too big, Ken. It's a lot smaller. Get it? There you go. And the average person is, you know, they say, I don't know who they are, but they say, uh, using 10%. So let me, come on, show me this. Show me 10% of your brain size. That's what you're dealing with right now. It really makes so much more sense now, doesn't it? D don't you understand your husband better now, ladies? Look here. <laughs> what were you thinking when you put those clothes on today? That's what he was thinking. <laughs> right? You ask him, you know, honey, does my butt look big in that? Let me tell you, he's got this much. He's not going to get it right. It's not got enough brain cells in there. And, and God knows this, and you know this. So, so God's Word is saying things like, seek first God's kingdom. You, you want a job, you want a career, you want money, you want sex, you want pleasure, you want a relationship, that's fine. But just go to God's Word and do it first. And you're like, wait a minute, it seems like I ought to... Yeah, it seems because you're using this much brain. God's got this much brain. You know his is bigger than this. I just can't reach any farther. You know, I don't understand why God, you know, it's got to be a man and a woman and it's got to be after marriage. Why is that so? Well, I, don't under, I don't understand why it just seems like to me, yeah, because this is how much brain you've got. This is how much brain God's got. 
At some point, you just back away and say, God, I want to know your will for my life. And the key, Jesus said, I didn't come just to give you life, but to give you abundant life. The key to abundant life is finding the will of God for your life. Knowing the thoughts of God, understanding the truth of God. And you can't argue with God in God's word and get there. God has a mind. All right, let me move on. God also, the Holy Spirit has a will. As he has uh, plans, desires for your life. Watch right here. Now, when they had gone, the apostles had gone through a place called Phrygia, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by who? Holy Spirit to preach the word. Now, uh, in Asia. All right, forbidden to forbid is, uh, it, it's, it's a word that means to exert your will, to stop something. The Holy Spirit had a will. He exerts his will and says, I don't want you to go. So he had said, preach the word everywhere. Obviously, God wants the word to go to Asia. It's there now. Fastest growing, uh, Christianity is growing faster in Asia than anywhere else in the world. But for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit knew something. How many know the Holy Spirit knows what you don't know? He knows what's in Asia, right? He knows what's in Coleman. He knows what's in Madison. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows uh, where you're traveling to tomorrow. You better listen to him. And, And they were listening. And he said, not right now. You're not going to Asia. He forbid them. Now, here's the problem. Am I in a condition where I can hear his voice? Yeah. They probably were not listening to Spotify when the Holy Spirit spoke. Probably not, you know, probably not scrolling through TikTok, you know, probably not checking out Instagram when, no, they were in a condition where they could hear the voice of God. And if the Holy Spirit wants to forbid you, this is the thing that happens over and over and over again. We, we say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go. And see, God knows the next step is a cliff. You're going to fall over and it's going to be terrible that you are doing your thing, man. You, a lot of what you're listening to is culture. How many of you know that popular religion is also a part of our culture? Oh, yeah. Popular worship music that is not necessarily always edifying to God. It's more of an industry. It's more of, of pop culture. Man, you can have your favorite worship band in your ear. Still not listening to God. You can be checking out the highlights of your favorite preacher online. I mean, your second favorite. You know, you're listening to all his, you know, clips and whatever, and you're doing your thing, but you have not got quiet with God. You've not talked to God, and you're just going, and God, the Holy Spirit is going, hey, the next step you take, you're going to fall off a cliff, and boom, there you go, because you didn't hear him. And then from the bottom of the pit, you look up, it's like, where's God? See, God's not real. i got to deconstruct my faith. No, God's real. He's very real, and he's right where he said he would be, in the secret, in the quiet place. That's where he said he would be in Psalm 91. If you hide yourself in the secret place, you'll be under the shadow of the Almighty. You'll hear His voice and He'll protect you under His wings. But when we're not in a secret place, we're not in a quiet place, we're not willing to stop culture and listen to His voice, then when He says, don't go there, like He said to the apostles, don't go, we don't hear it, we step right in and then we find out why He said, don't go. You ever said something you wish you hadn't said? He was telling you not to say it. We just didn't hear it, right? I've done that. It's really hard to hear God when you're angry. It really is. You need to go somewhere and yell at a tree or an inanimate object. You need to go punch something that doesn't hurt. The, you know, no people in Like, you know, go punch something that can't punch back. Get all that anger out and hear what God has to say in your life. He wants to talk to you, right? Number one question believers have is, what is God's will for my life? All right, so let me show you two ways to know God's will for your life. The first is the general will of God, which you find from God's Word. Okay? And, and, and it simply is 
black and white about certain things. A man came in my office one time, said, Pastor, uh, I'm married, but my wife is, is just very far from God. She doesn't go to this church, and you know, uh, she's not filled with the Spirit like I am, and so I've taken a girlfriend. And I'm going to be uh, marrying her. I'm leaving my wife because this girl I'm dating, she is really in tune with the Lord. And I said, no. I got about 18 different verses uh, and places in Scripture I can show you. That's just not God's will for your life. So that's the first place it starts. But, but the will of God's not necessarily going to tell you what car to drive or where to live or what job to take. And so here's the second way is the specific will of God for your life. You hear that from God's voice. Getting close enough to him to say, what are you saying to me about my life? Now, because of what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out and all believers, men, women, young, old, every race, all can hear the voice of God for themselves. See, you can, you can hear God's voice, but I can't hear God's voice for you. You know, you, you're not going to meet me in the lobby after church and go, hey, pastor, where do you think my wife wants to go to lunch? I'll be like, you sure? You go ask. Pastor, how many kids do you think my husband wants me to have? Go ask him. You're intimate with him, right? You, you should not expect the pastor or a priest to be intimate with God for you. I'm intimate with God for me. I'm as close to God as I can for me. I want to lead this congregation. I want to lead a faith family in, in, in word and conversation. Indeed, I want to blaze a trail. I want to be like the Apostle Paul who said, follow me as I follow Christ. But I can't follow Christ for you. You have to follow Christ for yourself. You have to seek Him yourself and have a personal, intimate relationship with God. And that is why the Holy Spirit came. He has a mind and you can know his thoughts. He has a will and you can know his will, but it's personal for you. Let me show you one more place and we'll wrap up with that. Holy Spirit has a mind, will, and he has emotions, feelings. He can experience joy, Scripture says. He can also experience grief. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit. This is where I want to land today. Okay, don't miss this. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Your redemption, your moment, your, your security in Christ Jesus is through the Holy Spirit's work in your life. But here's what the Bible says, you can grieve Him. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, grief is a negative emotion that um, comes from separation. When someone dies and you're intimate with that, your close, intimate relationship, you're very close to that person, you grieve because of the separation. And sin is what separates us from God. And it grieves the Holy Spirit because He loves you. God died for you, right? He sent His Son for you. He wants to be with you. So sin grieves the Holy Spirit because sin harms God's children and God loves His children. That's why sin grieves the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be intimate with Him so you know Him. You can't know Him if sin separates you from Him. Like, I'm intimate with my wife. I know, most of the time I know what she's thinking or what she wants to do. We've been married for, you know, going, getting close to 30 years. Married a long time. If we get in the lobby after church today and somebody goes, hey, y'all want to go to barbecue? I already know, no. Leslie does not want to go eat more Coleman barbecue. I'm intimate with her. She's not into more Coleman barbecue, right? Uh, you ought to have an intimate relationship with God. It's our sin that separates us. 
Let me read that, that same verse right there. I'll read you some more around. Now this is from the NLT and it says, don't bring sorrow. Same word translated from the Greek to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And then he gives us an, an, a list of things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen for the things. See if any of this is in your life. Get rid of all bitterness. Are you bitter? Bitterness is a poison, as we'll see in a minute. Get rid of rage and anger and harsh words. Harsh words grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you're having a conversation, you're trying to give somebody the truth so much that you're being harsh with them, guess who's missing the truth? You are. I don't care what side you're having a screaming match about pro-choice and pro-life and all this kind of stuff. If you're using harsh words against someone, you are grieving the Holy Spirit and you're separating yourself from the Holy Spirit. Get rid of evil behavior, but instead be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. The next time you get enraged online and you want to make a social media comment, just make sure it's kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Guess what? You probably won't comment. Right? Ahead of that, Verse 25 says, stop telling lies. If you're a liar, you can't know God's will for your life. Yeah, but it, you know, um, it's my industry that I live in. We kind of have to fudge the numbers because I don't understand why you can do Yeah, I know you don't understand because you got this much brain. Holy Spirit will fix it if you'll just be a man or a woman of integrity. Well, but you don't understand there's no... Yeah, God understands. Don't lie. Don't let anger control you. That's verse 26. Quit stealing. Get a job right there in the Bible. Quit stealing and get a job. Boom, verse 28. And then give generously. Get up, quit stealing money, go make some money and give it away. That right there in the book. Man, that draws you near the heart of God. If you're stingy and you're arguing and you want to debate, tithing and silliness, stuff like that, you're just not near the heart of God. Two things that grieve the Holy Spirit the most. Acts 8 and 32 says, I see that you're poisoned with bitterness. Everybody say bitterness. And you're bound by iniquity. Everybody say iniquity. Bitterness is a poison. If you're angry all the time, can't forgive people, you're bitter. Here's what happens. Bitter comes in a pill. Okay? It's, somebody hurts you wrong. It's a small dose of bitterness. Before long, it won't stay there. It spreads. Now you're bitter at that person and you're bitter at the people around them and you're bitter at people who keep telling you that you're bitter. And the bitterness grows everywhere and it affects you mentally and emotionally and spiritually. God says that that bitterness becomes a poison in your life. I feel directed to the Holy Spirit to pray for bitterness to be broken by the power of God today in your life. We're going to pray about that. I'm talking to somebody right now. I hope your antenna went up. Some of you right now like, boom, that's me. And then he says, you're bound by iniquity. Sin is an event. Iniquity is a pattern. Sin is, I, I know this is wrong. The Holy Spirit's telling me that's not what I need to be doing. I'm never going to do it again. Boom, I did it again. And again, and again. God, I promise I won't ever do it. And he did it again. That's a pattern. That's a bondage. He said, you're bound by iniquity. You're in chains. It's like you're in prison. You're in prison and you say, I don't want to be here. I want to get out of prison. But I got a chain around my ankle and around my wrist. That's exactly where you are with, with sin. 
the same iniquity over and over again. But the Bible says where sin abounded, grace much more abounds. If you feel like you've been swimming in a sea of sin, the good news is the Bible says the bigger your pool of sin, the bigger God's outpouring of grace on your life. I wish somebody would get excited about that. The grace of God is bigger than the sin in your life. Yes. Yes.